Welcome to Our Devastation, a weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neal. Hiya! How are you doing this week, Sam? I'm not bad, I'm bad. Good. It's, uh, it's been a long day today. Yeah. I uh, worked half eight till half six. Oof. Nasty. Yeah. I came home, had like half an hour to sit down and go through Twitter, um, which has been an interesting experience this evening specifically. Yeah, Which for sure. I guess we'll touch on later. And now I'm recording a podcast. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a full and I won't say rewarding, but it's been a day. Um, <laughs> how, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Good. Not bad. Um, pretty much over being like completely annihilated in a pleasant Kenobi video from last week. It was, uh, <laughs> that was great. That I was fun. That was, I, yeah, I, I enjoyed that too. It was great. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, you you are right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm always right. New, new metal is just trash. <laughs> I am more than willing to die on that hill. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've posted on Twitter. Don't like back out of it now that we're recording a podcast as if that isn't your opinion. <laughs> oh yeah, like for sure. Like those two songs in particular are absolute trash. Um, there is there is some new metal that I I'm definitely down with. I think. Um, is it is it Limp Bizkit? Uh, I mean, well, it is all about the he said she said. <laughs> oh my god! Isn't it? So don't do that. <laughs> Unfortunately, it is. Yeah, I mean, it's just basically Lincoln Park and no one else, right? Uh, I mean, so I I was I was having I didn't think about this while said Twitter conversation was happening mm. like Rage Against the Machine like do, oh, like do you say they're new metal? No hell no because I hate new metal and I like Rage Against the Machine Yeah so. but they were they were like <laughs> kind of like of the time I Yeah I don't but know. like a lot of musical artists were of the time and not new metal <laughs> Yeah that's true that's true Yeah, yeah. I think like Linkin Park were incredible um there's probably a handful of Limp Biscuit songs that I, I don't I don't mind admitting that I love. Plus, like Slipknot are hands down one of the greatest bands ever. Like, um, quote me on that. They were, they really were. Yeah, true, true. And then and then then he went and did Stone Sour, which, in my personal opinion, was not particularly good. Yeah. And then he came back to Slipknot and just started writing Stone Sour songs with more percussion. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Yeah, I mean, like Volume Three was amazing though. Well, exactly. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like there was there was definitely a time where Slipknot were just probably the best band. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I guess um, we're a new metal podcast now. Oh hell yeah! Sweet. I'm all about being a new metal podcast. Awesome. Well, I'm all about the he said, she said. I'll do that joke again. Good lord. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> it's a it's a good job we have this stuff because our magic content isn't great. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> and this content is. <laughs> well, this content's great. Yeah, I'd, 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 I'd listen to this like voluntarily. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, um, so yeah, uh, as far as magic goes, that hmm. thing that we, we we play and talk about every week, um, I've been playing a lot of standard, surprisingly. Like, oh really? A real, real lot of standard uh, on arena oh, and everything. Oh, see, um, in terms of standard for me, I played uh, one match of uh, with Blue Green Nexus on arena. Nice. Um, lost convincingly, hmm. and have just not opened arena since. Uh oh. <laughs> It was it was a bad time, but please tell me about. I imagine what are your successes with them? Yeah, uh, I, I've I've been been playing a lot more than I have been for the past couple of months. Um, standard mm. on arena, like specifically. So I went from like all the way to like from bronze four or whatever the lowest bronze level is, like uh, right up to the right near the top of gold number one at the moment. Um, oh, sweet! Which is pretty much just over the past week, just from playing like uh, blue white in standard. I think- You've been going to work, right? Oh yeah, I've been going to work as well. Yeah, I've just like literally, I've I've lost like t- 
two games of Magic over the past week out of like the the. I mean, I haven't played loads, but I've I've played a, a I've played a, a surprising number of games. Jeez. Okay. Cool. Cool. So I'm. I. Uh, I, I think. I think I finally like found like my my sweet spot um, in the format. Um, playing a viable blue white deck. Yeah, playing <laughs> playing a viable blue white deck with like five copies of Teferi in the main board. <laughs> As opposed to your your regular your regular thing, which is uh, playing an, a non viable blue white deck with four copies of Teferi in the board. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> sounds about right. Sweet, sweet. Yeah, so I I, I mean I guess so, I guess it kind of was probably going to go over it later but I guess I'll just cover it now I'm going to play in the uh, MCQs the Mythic Championship Qualifiers uh, this weekend uh, at Patriot Games in Sheffield so Sweet. if you are attending please come say hi please concede to me <laughs> <laughs> wow. wow just going for the e-throw pitch straight away uh, yeah, yeah no, I'm really looking forward to it uh, it's the the first MCQs that I've been to, the, the second MCQs that the UK has had, so that's pretty exciting. Yes, that's really cool. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be playing Blue White Control. Um, yeah, let's, let's see. Let's see your take on this. So main board, uh, we got one Righteous Blow, four Seal Away, one Blink of an Eye, two Search for Scanter, one Dovin's Veto, two Prison Realm, one Narset Partner of Veils, three Absorb. Two Teferi Time Reveler, two Settle the Wreckage, three Chemister's Insight, one God Eternal Kefnet, one Cleansing Nova, three Teferi Hero of Dominaria, one Time Wipe, one Commence the Endgame, one Ugin the Ineffable, uh, four Syncopate, and then just the standard blue blue white lines, uh, one copy of Blast Zone and one Field of Ruin. You know, just because they're rares doesn't mean you're only you're only allowed to put one of them in your deck, right? <laughs> <laughs> This seems to be a theme of your deck. It's just a bunch of one-offs. Um, I mean, that seems that seems cool. Like, um, I'm very much not good at control decks. Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I found a surprising amount of success for it, success with it so far. I think like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, uh, like all of the spells are a lot easier to cast than than the Esper decks. Which I do like. I absolutely do like the Esper decks. I think, especially in the main board, the Esper decks have a lot stronger or a lot more win conditions like especially uh, especially the ones that are playing like the full creature package of like deputy detention main board and like hero present one like the hero esper decks are, are really cool mm-hmm. but yeah I, I, I don't know I've just been having like a really good time and I think I've found a, a deck that I just gel with really nicely yeah I mean that's fine if you want to go to Sheffield and just be full cop that's cool yeah that's for sure I uh, also, like I'm playing that. Saddler Record as well because like nobody's playing it anymore it's great no one's going to expect that now, apart from like the ten people that listen to this podcast, yeah, <laughs> now, now they're gonna know. Sure, sure. Oh man, you've ruined it. And then my sideboard, I'm probably gonna play around with it a bit, but as it currently stands, we've got uh, two more righteous blow on the sideboard. We've mm. got uh, two Narset's reversal, two Dowen's veto, two deputy detention, two Ixlan's binding, one settle the wreckage, one elite guard mage, two uh, mesmerizing. Mesmer, I can't even say the word mesmerizing. Ben, Ben, no. Just two words Jeez. I can't say. Mesmerizing Benthid. The really? hex- hexproof octopus thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one, the immortal sun. Sweet, okay. Specifically for that Thibble uh, Thib deck. Because that's actually putting up results and you're scared of it. Yeah, that bit of a <laughs> what the deck that we had a laugh at last week is uh, <laughs> is actually yeah, real like... and actually really good. Uh, yeah, it turns out. I mean, I, once again, I failed to properly evaluate magic cards. I mean, like. Some people come here for it. 
<laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> My hot takes that get proven to be false like two <laughs> days later. Um, yeah. Sweet. Well, yeah. Good luck with your event. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure I'll be social mediaing all about it. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, mm-hmm. Can't yeah. wait. It's gonna be good fun. Um. So I I don't currently have a standard deck. So yeah, I was playing mono blue. Um. And now it seems like mono blue kind of sucks. Um. Yeah. Autumn did put out a tweet of the deck that they played, like their new version, which is very much similar. You just sort of move some of the cards around, like around the seventy-five, and just like add, add a couple of Kef nets, I think. Yeah. Uh, but I don't have access to those cards. I also haven't played Mono Blue in like a fair while to feel comfortable enough on the deck to justify a trip to Sheffield and like entry and stuff like that. And then I, yeah, I've played. I've played like I own some Nexus on Arena. Um, but I am terrible at playing it. <laughs> um, I just just got completely crushed by the Azorius aggro deck. I was like, this is this is just awful. Yeah, I also don't have access to those cards, particularly. Um, but I mean, I've been I've been doing a fair bit of drafting. Sweet, which is which has been good fun. Um, World of Spark is a sweet set if you don't just get a Ketrid. Yeah, it. I've I mean, I've drafted it twice so far in total. Once in paper, one on an arena, and it's mm-hmm. it it's it's just. A really strange draft format. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I, it is. I think I like it. I think like the more I play it, the more I like it. But I think it's going to take me a long time for me to find my sweet spot with this this format. I think. Yeah, I think I'm about six or seven drafts in at this point. Sweet. Um, Wednesday I had a paper draft. Um, I drafted like a Naya proliferate deck. Okay. Um, so like first picked a Krenko. Yeah. And then. The best two cards in the pack were like a Bloom Hulk or a um, what's the two mana one one flyer in white that prefers when it attacks. Grateful Spirit, Grateful something, Phantom. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I don't remember the name. I know, I know the one. I faced somebody that had three of those and just like lost horrendously. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, so I ended up taking the Bloom Hulk because I think green is just a lot stronger than white. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it is is in general definitely. Like, I think the white card is like much more powerful, but I think the Boomhawk is like green's best common by quite a lot. Yeah. Um, so it's still a reasonable pick, and I think green's just better than white. So anyway, that, and then just got like I, my red was mainly for Krenko, some removal spells like Chandra's Triumph and Jaya's Green and stuff like that, um, and a Dombri's Ambush, and a Sarkin that I opened in pack three. Ooh, nice. So, like, okay, definitely playing red, and then just loaded a load of green my cards. Uh, I went two one because I got crushed by. Um, just like an amass deck yeah. uh, green green black amass deck which is really sweet it's really good and then uh, yeah game two of that one I kept a six with one land in it because I couldn't be bothered to mark it <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've done wow. enough shuffling I'm out sure. um, sorry I lost that one um, and then yeah I, I've done like a few drafts on arena and one of my one of my drafts was really sweet I got a, like a blue red spells deck yeah which is probably my favourite deck in the format. Um, yeah, I, I agree there. I do love that deck myself as well. It's really sweet. It was massively helped out by the fact that I got a seventh pick Sahili. Whew. Yeah, Which, yeah, that's a good yeah, one. The, the, uh, the arena bots are still up to complete nonsense. Yeah. Like, it's just not reasonable at all. So it went through all like all but one bot, and then it got to me, and I was like, okay, I'm taking this. Um, so like, I, there was one game that I played that literally took an hour Whoa. to play. So uh, it was about half ten in the evening, and I was like, "Oh, I'll fire up a draft." That sounds like fun. Seems like a reasonable time to to fire up a draft just before I go to bed. And then I ended up going, so I went three o six o, yeah, 
and then got crushed by uh, a deck that just had amass tokens and all the cards that give the amass tokens evasion and got beat up by like a 6-6 six, six amass token with flying menace and hexproof it's like okay cool that's fine um, then ended up uh, so and then I won another one so I was 4-1 and then played against like a green black deck just like like loads of good cards which is like a good value deck yeah and uh, then so game one they just played a Liliana and I promptly lost the game yeah I bet <laughs> that was absolutely no fun and uh, in game two I just had a fast start with like um, a couple of burning prophets and a Sahili and just like murdered them very quickly yeah um, and then game three so I like I had I had one copy of No Escape in my main deck because I like main decking that card because I'm just, I just don't want to lose to bombs. Yeah. Which sure. on arena is like a lot more possible than in paper because the, the bots just pass them. Yeah. So I know they had they had leaving out so boarded in a second no escape, and then um, so I knew that they had it in hand because they'd shown it off a uh, Vivian's Grizzly. Yeah. Like the like four mana. Reveal top hundred, like yeah. yeah, that one, that one. Um, and I have, I had the no escape in hand, like, and had to hold it up literally every turn. So I was holding it three mana this entire time because I'd no escape something the previous game, so they knew that I had no escape in my deck. Yeah. And I was missing land drops and just trying to trade resources and just try and like stay alive. And like, I have basically nothing on board. Just everything I put on board was just to trade with their threats. Um, and then I draw a second no escape, and then the turn after that they cast a Kaya. It's like, okay, well, I have to no-escape that, hoping that they'll then just jam their lily because they think I don't have a no-escape. Yeah, for sure. And then, then we continue to play for roughly 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> just trading resources, and I can just see the Liliana turned face up in their hands. Sweet. And at this point, I'm at my desk, which is next to our bed, and my partner has been asleep for about half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> just like there next to me. The lights are off. I'm just at my computer with my earphones. <laughs> and she's gone, to, she's gone to sleep. And I'm just sitting playing this game. I'm just waiting for them to... <laughs> and like, I'm, I'm milling myself out as well because I'm drawing loads of cards. Yeah. So I have like 13 cards in the library. They have like... 18 so I'm gonna I'm gonna lose because we just keep trading off resources sure um, <laughs> so like I eventually managed to stabilize the board while still holding up no escape because obviously I can't like really commit to the board because I have like four lands then yeah. five so I'm like I can't deploy loads of threats because I need to keep up with no escape so <laughs> eventually like 50 minutes into this game three they just lose their mind and just jam the Liliana <laughs> and I have the no escape and then in two turns just win the game by just drawing an absurd string of threats amazing and it was just the most ridiculous so I went to bed at quarter to two and I had work at eight o'clock the next day wow. just like oh my god definitely worth it though yeah worth it for that uh, that one extra <coughs> virtual miniature booster pack oh Jesus Christ absolutely <laughs> not worth it I should have just conceded like I should have just conceded I also shouldn't have won that game um, I think my opponent just like played, made a couple of mistakes and, and then obviously jamming the Liliana into my obvious no escape was just a huge mistake sure um but yeah, and then I've also my current draft at the moment is that I'm working my way through is just a five color nonsense deck because I got like six bits of fix it and I was like yeah sure nice yeah I find that they're like strangely viable I think like as long as you've got like a strong enough like green base you can pretty much just play whatever you want yeah I've got a Paradise, Paradise Druid and New Horizon and Zhang Yangu sweet um, two Centaur healers nurturers nurturers okay. um so like yeah, I've got like a reasonable base, and then I'm just like most of the way through pack three, just took the best cards in the pack. Yeah, seems good. Yeah, but the, the format's been really fun. I've really enjoyed it so far, as long as you don't lose to just like stupid stuff. Yeah, it's been it's been good fun. I've enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I do like it. Awesome. Mm. So one other thing that did happen today, uh, pretty much right before we went on air. Yeah, I. This I mean, is fa- I, fairly recently. When I, I as soon as I finished work, I went on Twitter and was just like, oh Jesus. So <laughs> um, 
like I think it was like roughly five o'clock ish yeah. today, and it's like half eight now as we're recording. So fairly recently. Yeah, the uh, the MPL lost one more member. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, I think I feel like this one did actually come as a as a bit of a surprise. Um, it seems to be kind of be out of nowhere, but uh, Jerry Thompson is no longer in the MPL. Yeah, and it's um, I'm actually happy about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, to be fair, I was the two previous previous people who have been removed from the MPL. Um, I was happy about them leaving because um, they were bad people, and I didn't want them to be in the MPL. Um, I'm happy for Jerry in this situation because he's left of his own accord. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, which is like the the most Jerry Thompson move of all time, <laughs> which is fantastic. So he's like chosen to leave to make a statement, right? That's sort of the point of his of his leaving. Yeah, he has. Yeah, so he's he's. I mean, I think it's a, a combination of, of a few things. Really, he's put a big statement up on uh, on his uh, arena deck lists. Uh, Twitter and on, a, on his own Twitter, if you want to go and go and sort of read the issues that he was having as the MPL, uh, I oh, think a lot um, of it is. Side note, yeah, did not know they changed the name of their podcast. I was very confused. Where on my podcast feed, I had Arena Deadlists, and I was like, <laughs> I don't know this podcast. <laughs> this is not right. Yeah, uh, yeah, they did. If, if you if you if you listen to the the game podcast, it's now the Arena Deadlist podcast. Yeah, and um, I was like a few weeks behind. I imagine they mentioned it at some point. I was like, "What is this podcast? I don't know this." Yeah, this. I think the first episode was was this week. Um, mm-hmm, yeah, it's still still the same, still great. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. I was just very confused. Sure. Anyway, uh, anyway, yeah. So if you go and check out Jerry's statement, I think a lot of it does sort of hark back to things um, which he said around the time of, of his uh, his worlds uh, protest when he, mm-hmm. he dropped out of, of Magic Worlds. Was uh, just yeah, he's. Wizards of the Coast approach him with this this MPL, say, oh, it's going to be this, it's going to be that, it's going to be awesome, and you know, kind of is in part as a response to to sort of Jerry's stance and some some of the things he was saying that you know the game needs that uh, the game could really benefit with. Here here comes Wizards with the MPL, the solution to all of his woes, and he goes, okay, this is great, this is awesome, this is a step in the right direction, and then it actually transpires that. No, things aren't really what we all thought it was going to be. Uh, it, it's still like what, what, like over five months into the actual MPL now, and it's mm-hmm, like yeah. nobody really knows what it is still. Yeah, these people are being paid like seventy grand. Just like that's what we know. <laughs> yeah, we know there's, there's there are some some sort of tournament. Uh, they did the first one on Saturday night, just gone. Uh, that was streamed on Twitch. Uh, they've got like different, like different sort of miniature leagues within or brackets within the MPL. And uh, you, as an MPL member, you can like do well in those tournaments, and that automatically qualifies you for like day two of pro tours, like that kind of thing. Yep. But like, like even then, like I'm being quite vague about the thing because I don't quite know or understand all of it myself. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, like, there's, it's, there's a lot to go into with it. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on, and I mean, I don't want to sort of go on for hours and hours about like the problems this, of the MPL and Wizards' lack of knowing how to run an organised play system, despite being a competitive game for 26 years. Uh, yes, that is roughly the long and short of it. Sure, um, it's just it's 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 particularly absurd. Like, they're paying these people like a lot of money. They're spending a lot of money, and they're doing a lot of promotion and not all all this stuff. And and yet, there's not. Is still any actual sort of you know boundaries for what it is like yeah. 
what is it? How do you get into it? What's it for? Like, uh, essentially, it's just a vehicle to promote the game, right? Which is yeah, fine. Sure. Like, as, yeah. as a thing, this is a vehicle to promote the game. But the way that they presented it to us, and the way that they apparently presented it to the people in the MPL when they were first approached, is a lot different to that. Um, and it, I mean, if it's just a vehicle to promote the game to people that might not have seen the game before, and to like, you know, um, encourage interest in it, and like, sure, that's that's fine if that's what you want to do. But you're presenting it as like. Oh, he's the best person in the world, and they're all going to do this. And there's just there doesn't seem to be any, any actual vision with it. Yeah. It's just sort of a thing they've done because they had a budget for it, um, and a budget that large for something that seemingly poorly planned is a little bit hard to take, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Instead, we'll, we'll not sort of go into Jerry's statement in, in full here. I'm, I'm sure there's a million one takes you'll have seen on it by now, uh, but you can go check out the, the thing itself. The thing itself. Um, but I definitely do want to say that I, I am fully supportive of Jerry Thompson, like, now and probably, like, always, like, as long as he lives. He's once again showing just, just like, how much his, his love for the game and him wanting to see the game improve really sort of comes before before anything else in his, in his life. Oh, hell yeah. Like, he's an absolute asset and, like, uh, pretty much, I think everything that he's sort of taken a stand on or like made a big deal out of, I've, I've agreed with him on, and he's, he's had a very good, um, a very good stance, a very good take, and it's often, it's always, always very eloquent and very professional and very respectful, while also making very, very good points. And uh, yeah, he's just, he, he's a fantastic player and a, um, a really great thing to have in Magic. Definitely, definitely strong agree there. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the with the recent uh, losses from the MPL. We have had recently confirmed two new additions. Yeah. Which, if we just, we're just going to ignore the fact that the MPL is kind of a joke and doesn't make any sense. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just what it is, right? That's that's something you have to accept and then you move on and you just have to enjoy the MPL for what it is. Yeah. Because sure. randomly moaning on a podcast or on Facebook or Twitter isn't going to do anything. Yeah. So, the new additions are, I can never pronounce his name, Savitz. Savitz, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and Jess Estefan. Yeah. So, uh, two players who uh, their professional magic career doesn't have much notoriety in terms of like pro tour top eights or anything like that. Yeah, for sure. Especially like Savitza is more notably like a Hearthstone streamer and has has had various success in like other quote unquote esports. Yeah, Um, and did reasonably well at the Mythic Invitational. Yeah. So that's his credentials, I suppose. Um, And then uh, Jess Estefan is sort of the only well-known Australian player right? like at this point I'd say so yeah which is and that's the thing it's like because obviously she, she works incredibly hard like she she um, grinds and then tries to play as many tournaments as she can and has, done, has had very good results at tournaments that she's yeah. been able to play with but it's just sort of the thing with, with if you live in Australia grinding GPs is kind of near impossible yeah so to have put up results when you have that sort of disadvantage because what's he care less about Australia Let's say. Um, <laughs> I mean, kind compared, of harsh but true, right? Yeah, I mean, like, compared to the amount of opportunities that people in North America get, right? Yeah. Um, to compete and try and qualify for these tournaments and try and make the Pro Tour, like, um, Limited Championship, apologies. Um, she's put some pretty good results and is also, uh, like, a very well respected and very well liked content creator and everything like that. I think she's, it's a great addition. Also, notably, the first woman to be added to the NPL. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Um, it's just, um, an, an important moment for I've got to say history of the NPR that's only existed for <laughs> so <laughs> months, you know what I mean like, it's, it's certainly a very, very important thing to have happened yeah, and that, sure, that, 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 sure. kind of, that can't be understated like uh, adding women to the NPR like, like it was with um, 
adding art and being the first non-binary person. Like it's yeah. it's important these these milestones are sort of taken stock of and, and we understand how important they are. But Agreed. Two very cool additions. Um, like I said, we're going to leave the fact that compared to the rest of the MPL, like this is the thing. Like there's been a lot of Twitter, like on Twitter about like attacking them as people. I was like, don't attack them as people. That's absurd. That's an absurd thing to do. Yeah, um, like I, like absolutely eat the MPL, but also <coughs> they are people with feelings as well. Like, exactly, and like know. they've worked hard to be there. Whether that be through, um, you know, pro, pro tour grinding or GP grinding or anything like that, yeah. or, or being successful content creators who, you know, whatever. Like they work very hard. It's not like we're just giving some idiot who just plays FNM a shot at the NPL, right? Yeah. We, we give people who work incredibly hard, and just because they haven't got the same results as other people potentially, for for a multitude of reasons, doesn't mean they're not as worthy of being there. Um, I guess that's that sort of problem. It's like we don't really know why they're there because everyone else has sort of like been a points leader or um, won multiple high level events or anything like that, and, and these two people don't quite have those credentials. Yeah. So a lot of people are, are, are throwing their toys out of the pram about that, which I understand, but. <laughs> Specifically, attacking the people is is absurd and not on, and to stop doing that. Fully but agreed. like, yeah, they, these these people still work very hard and and still deserve a shot at the, the MPL. And I'm I'm very very happy for both of them, and it's a very good thing. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just sort of sick of magic players. It's <laughs> like it's just what it comes down to, right? Like a thing happens, and like, I mean, I'm I'm certainly guilty of making like a, a, a gut instinct hot take but i try not to be mean-spirited there's some people that are just being mean <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, sure. that's, if you have a problem you have a problem with watsy you don't have a problem with with these two people yeah uh, so shut up please <laughs> please just stop anything else you want to say about the npl before we try and get to what was meant to be our main topic <laughs> uh, no ju- i mean yeah just just keep on fighting that good fight hashtag eat the npl like the MPL, it's it, it, it's obviously working because it, it's eating itself so yeah <laughs> Do we currently have 31 members of the NPL? Uh, I, I think we're back up to 32 now. So we, we, so we lost Owen. We lost Owen, who was replaced by Autumn. And hang then, on, hang on. I just want to clarify. When I say we lost, that makes it sound like I was sentimental. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want that to be how it's remembered. Uh, Owen was kicked out of the NPL. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of... <laughs> He's kind of been like I found a good comparison is like Chris Benoit in the WWE. Like he's just not you, talked about it's not talked about anymore. Like Sure. No, that's fine. And as it should be, because it's like I trust Watsy to have made the decision on on, uh, on what's happened yeah. and act accordingly, so that's fine. Yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to make sure <laughs> I wasn't like, oh no, we've lost Owen Turn one. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. No, he's, he's definitely been gone. he's been officially Benoit. He is no longer in the uh, in the MPL. <coughs> Although he does remain in the Hall of Fame, as far as I'm aware. Um, yeah, I guess the Hall of Fame is for magic achievement. You say that, but then this week we did also lose uh, Yuyo Watanabe, who has been removed from the MPL, and also the Hall of Fame. Yeah, because he cheated at magic, and yeah. I guess you know being an asshole in the game is is more of a crime than being an asshole as a like in real life as a human. Hmm. Apparently. I don't know. There's a lot to go in with the UU thing as well. Yeah, for sure. I, there's a lot to debate there, and I could probably do two hours on on the specific UU situation. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he's been kicked out. I trust what's his what's his judgment on the situation. There was a lot that went into it. There was a lot of work with the judges, with the with UU's team. Like a lot of stuff went into it, and sure. he was kicked out and removed from the Hall of Fame. And I trust their decision, and that's totally fine by Absolutely. me. Absolutely, um, I, I agree fully as well. Yeah, but there's a lot of there's a lot of sort of like nuances and everything that go along with it that yeah. have been <sighs> interesting to try and pass. I say. Yeah. Um, it all just comes from magic Twitter, just being absurd. Anyway, so so Owen, you, uh, Jerry. Uh, yes, yeah, so they've gone, and then now in 
replacement of Owen, we had Autumn, and instead mm-hmm. of Yuya and Jerry, we have uh, Jess and Savit. Sweet. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Apparently, I can't mask already. Yeah. It was a long. I, day. I mean, it, <laughs> I don't blame it. Like it changes every week. You know, uh, yeah, it's so. absurd. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's 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 a it's a talk and um, that's fine. <laughs> it's all fine. It's yeah, all fine. for sure, for sure. Um, hopefully, the next season season of the MPL will be more sort of clear cut and understandable. We'll we'll see. We'll see. Like I know, you know, but the back end of back end of last year when they announced all of these changes and these announcement of announcements, they said twenty nineteen was going to be a big transitional year going into. You know, proper complete changes to organised play come twenty twenty onwards, and it's it's been a bit tumultuous for for want of a better phrase. I think. I mean, they weren't wrong. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there have been some goddamn changes. Yeah, they didn't say there would be great changes. <laughs> Things have certainly happened. For sure, for sure. Um, sweet. Anyway, let's. I think I guess move on from. For sure, yeah. That that place. ends MPL watch for this week. <laughs> <laughs> Join us next like week for update. I guess. Is that like the gate watch? Maybe. Oh wow! Like, I wonder if you have to like swear an oath when you when you end at the MPL. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Like, that just makes it sound like a cult. Yeah. The MPL is yeah. just a cult. <laughs> I, to be fair, I believe it. <laughs> I mean, it's just you get paid seventy grand a year or seventy five grand a year, however much it is, an absurd amount of money um, to just be in a cult and get other people to join your cult. I'd take it. Oh hell yeah! Yeah. But I'm very, I'm the kind of person that's very susceptible to cults as it is. So if I get paid, to, not that I'm in a cult, I would just like to clarify. <laughs> But like, if there was ever, if any, if ever you knew anyone that was going to just accidentally join a cult, <laughs> certainly me. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm not. I'm not a clever person. <laughs> um, anyway, yes, let's carry on. Let's stop with the Tom Fugger. Awesome. So yeah, I guess we we get onto what we're calling our main topic this week. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, once again, we are going off on cards from War of the Spark, uh, specifically looking at their the impact in Eternal formats, so or I guess Modern's an Eternal format now, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've always referred to it as an internal format since I've played, so... Yeah, I guess it, it it kind of has that, or at least had that thing where it has, like, a, a cut-off date, but now it has cards that enter from outside of standard, so I guess it's no longer a non-eternal format. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a it's a non-rotating format, at least. Yeah. So let, let's, let's call it that, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm going to start this segment with uh, a very hot take. Sure. If you're ready, um, bring it. Yeah, bring it. Oh, sweet. Um, so, I think that any modern or legacy deck that can reasonably cast four mana spells, yeah, should should just be playing Kyan the Great Creator. That's a it's a fairly spicy take. Yeah, I think it just. I just think the card's completely absurd. Yeah, I agree with you 100% with that. So when we did our Planeswalker review, I was like, oh, this seems pretty good. Seems okay. I don't think you'll yeah. see much play. I believe is why it's something to that. Effect. <laughs> uh, basically, just massively under-evaluating this incredibly powerful card. And now I just think it's 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 just bonkers. Like, the, yeah. the card is pushed and it's very, very good. And I, d- I don't think I fully appreciated the full applications of it when when I first saw it. It's like, oh, it's an artifact card. Sure, artifact decks will probably play it. Um, turns out you don't need to be an artifact deck. It's just an excellent card. Yeah. Um, so we've seen it being like popping up. Like there's been Tron decks with it. Um, Tr- Tron is now just playing four copies a lot. Um, that's not technically the stock list because obviously we haven't had a lot of time. There's still people just playing the sort of the, the version from from before War of the Spark. Perhaps a, bit, a couple of other cards. Um, 
but there have been quite a few lists popping up on, on the leagues, on the major leagues, and everything like that. They're just playing four guard, can't create creator. Yeah. And then you have your, your sideboard with your Marcus and Flatters, obviously, because you just want to win the game, or your sideboard artifact bullets. Um, so I think it's any card, any, yeah, any deck that can reasonably cast a four mana spell in the turn format, which isn't all of them. But if you're happy just tapping up for a four mana spell, then it probably should be Khan. Yeah, I um, agree. There was a. I, I saw. I'm not sure if this is actually good, but there was a. There was a. Uh, a deck sort of built. It was Legacy Elves, just playing two cards. Yeah. <laughs> because wow. casting. It, yeah, because casting it is just like so. With yeah, because it, it has it has no no color requirements, and you get to make essentially infinite mana. Like, seems good. Yeah, exactly. It's just you have a guy's cradle. Like, yeah. <laughs> casting a four mana spell and then a five mana spell or whatever, and like doing all this nonsense is absolutely fine. Um, but so I mean, I'm I'm currently playing it in Maverick. Well, I'm testing it in Maverick at least because I was playing Vivian. I was trying Vivian out, um, Champion of the Worlds, yeah. and that has been fine. Like I like that card, and I think it's certainly probably got chops for modern. Um, it's just a very powerful card, and a very powerful effect. But I think because I've been playing for a while, I was like trying to figure out like a f- sort of four mana. Sort of powerful card that I wanted to play. Sure. I was playing pa- Palace Jailer, which I think most white decks should just be playing at this point, if you're a creature deck, um, which they are for the most part. Devon Tax has been playing it for a while. Maverick is starting to just pick up one copy. Just a sort of stock at this point, and then obviously the, the blue white Stoneblade deck yeah. is, is playing Palace Jailer as well in an increasing numbers because that card's just busted. Um, so I was playing that, and I was playing, um, I tried Khan Sign of Urza for a while. Nice. That was okay. Um, had medium success with that it was just a little bit too slow for what I wanted really yeah. um, with the card advantage um, and then I was just sort of I just fell back to Garrett Relentless because um, that card was really good so against like Grixis and Miracles you just have a constant source of 2-2s two which is yeah. very good and then like you can you can use it as a removal spell against like small creature decks and then it flips and you can like using the um, the tutor ability to like sacrifice a creature and then search your library for a creature is like very very reasonable and you get to find like random bullets and stuff, or just like a night a night of the to like be a big beater. Yeah. Like so now I'm just playing calm. Yeah. Seems um, right. Seems right. <laughs> yeah, because like I mean, I'm playing guys cradle. I have like reasonable mana production. Like I have four Nova Horrox and, and four night of the Renegade, which means four mana is just sort of not not a problem. Yeah. Um, it seems really sweet, and then I can obviously go and get Microsynth Flyers. I can go get Crucible Worlds, which seems really good. Yeah. Like, in, a, in a wasteland deck, um, I was already playing a Tormod script on the sideboard. Um, walking ballista, just stuff like that. Like, I just think it's really good. And then, like, it incidentally just kills like Moxin, so Mox Pearl, Mox Diamond. It just randomly kills Chalice of the Void because it turns them into creatures um, with zero CMC. Stuff like that. Like, it's incredibly powerful card. Like, I know that there are some Amulet Titan lists in modern that are just like four copies now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you you are a big mana deck, and you can just afford to play this four mana spell that's just incredibly powerful. Yeah, for sure. So I think over decks like that where you're you're producing a lot of mana, like stuff like Titan Shift, probably, Escape Shift, probably. Just if you're if you're able to to um, make a large amount of mana, I think you should just leverage that by just playing some cards. Yeah. And stuff like Nick Fit and stuff like that. Like I'm not saying it should be in every deck, but like if you're like you play a lot of lands and you're able to produce a lot of mana, I think that the the card should just be just be in your deck because it is absurdly powerful and it's making itself known in every format basically. Yeah. I mean I'm not sure it's actually seeing that much playing standard. I think it's seeing the least playing standard. Khan himself, yeah. Um, but that's fine because he's tearing vintage apart. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, Legacy Modern is just like it's being—it's a four of in like 
it's immediately a four of in a lot of modern and um, legacy decks because twelve post is playing as well. Like so, there's no powerful card, and I just think everyone should play it if they can. Yeah, agreed. That's my hot take. Khan is um, the nuts. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree fully. Like Khan is absolutely fantastic. Um, he's probably enough to make me want to pick up London and or some sort of like were prison deck again. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, the fact that you like that deck wants to be playing all sort of shenanigans toolbox artifacts anyway and Khan just makes it so you can play them in your sideboard like it's just it's an extra tutor for that deck it's it's just amazing yeah absolutely you can just like put a cyber copy of Insane Bridge and stuff like that yeah um, yeah I know the WordPress and Dex are also playing it and just everything like that so it's just, just it's just everywhere it's just great it's just great it's a fantastic magic card and if anyone has a Japanese copy of Micah Sinclair's <laughs> Please, for the love of God, let me know because the price on them in MKM is absurd. So, cool. That's that's my little spiel on card. It's very good. Awesome. So, I guess we get to our next card. Uh, a card which is also seeing a lot of impact in every single format. Uh, quite possibly my favourite card. Well, hmm, top three favourite card from the set, I think. Mm-hmm. It's Nos at Potter Avails. Yeah, this card's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nos, it's just like just doing silly things in. Uh, those eternal formats, like especially that, that static ability, like a, each opponent can't draw more than <clears> one <throat> card each turn. Is yeah, like a, just fantastic. I've, like especially in um, in formats where you have access to things like Dak Faden. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So that's the, the big like lock, I guess, that's seeing some play in vintage at the moment is um, just having Narsa and Dak Faden. So you plus two uh, Dak Faden targeting your opponent. So they draw two cards and then discard two cards. Except with Narset, uh, each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn, so they're drawing one card and then discarding two. Yeah, and that's a lot easier to put in your deck than Leobold. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, of course, it's ridiculous. It's being played in literally every format. Yep. Um, I, it's just a staple at this point, I think. Yeah. It's certainly a vintage staple. Um, like, it's doing the same thing as Khan, just like showing up everywhere and beating the crap out of people. Um as it turns out, Leobold was really good. Yeah. And um, if you put that um, that ability on a easier to cast Planeswalker, that's harder to remove. I mean, obviously you can attack Planeswalkers, but we're going to assume that that's sort of not that big, that big of a deal. But doesn't die to Bolt if you don't activate it. Fatal Push, Source of Ashes, stuff like that. Like, it's pretty good. And also you just staple what I've been jokingly referring to as Dig Through Time onto it. <laughs> Because you look at eight cards and get to choose two of them. Well, it, it, <laughs> right. it, it's impulse. It's like literally just impulse. Sure, but you get to do it twice. Yeah, I guess and so. through time sounds a lot cooler than double impulse. Uh, it depends dig- who you're talking to. Dig through time is banned and restricted. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas impulse is just legal, right? Yeah, yeah. I could play true. impulse and legacy if I wanted to. Yeah, you can if you want to. Yeah, I really don't want to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to play Nasa. I want to play <laughs> You want to play Dig Through Time? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Sure, sure. See, Dig Through Time. There you go. Um, so yeah, Nasa is um, absurd. Like, it's just an incredibly good card. And it's just, uh, again, like, it's, it's, it's similar to Khan. Like, if you're playing a blue deck, you probably just want a copy in your 75 at least. Yeah. Regardless of format. That's fair. Um, certainly very good in standard. Um, modern, like, it's just seeing some play because um, it just stops a, a few decks and, and just... It's a, it's a decent like kind of stacksy piece. Yeah, with kind of advantage attached, and then uh, Lexi is obviously very good because Leovold has proven itself to be very good in that format, and also you can still pitch it to Force of Will. Yep. 
and then vintage where people are just trying to cast like an- ancestrals like <laughs> sure seems um, good yeah absolutely yeah it's, no. it's, it's like it's yeah. like ancestrals or gush or like uh, paradoxical outcome there's so many just strategies that don't work anymore mm-hmm. yeah if um if you have the ability to buy a lot of foil copies I uh, absolutely would. I uh, would. I would hold on quite a few months until there are a lot more in circulation. Is my, oh, really? my advice? Yeah, well, I think it, that card's just going to be absurdly expensive at some point. Like, yeah, but it's it's an uncommon. Like, in a set yeah, that's, that's going to be available for a long time. Yeah, sure, but it's also going to be a vintage staple forever, and a legacy staple forever, and a modern staple forever. Yeah. So if you can just pick up foils for like fifteen pounds, I'd absolutely do it. I don't think it gets cheaper than that. Oh, I think it does. There's no way it gets cheaper than fifteen pounds. Yeah. It's just, a, it's just a staple. The set, the, the set's been out like not even two weeks yet. I think like yeah, once, once we start getting these cards in like the where like the promo packs are replacing standard showdown packs, where you get like a foil in every single pack. I think there'll be a lot more of them. Yeah, I, I, I can see the card going down in price. I think it's always going to be of decent value for sure. But yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be well below the £15 or whatever you're paying now. I, um, I'm i not sure. Like, the, the market for foils is such a weird, weird thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah like, I'm, I'm very much aware of like, you know, £15 Gurmag Anglers and stuff. Yeah, it's just like, that thing, like the, the price on the actual card, because the actual card like itself is like $3. Yeah. Something, something similar to that for, for just, just the card, which is still crazy for an uncommon in a literally recent sense. So. Um, but the card can be worth like 30 cents and the foil can be worth like $300. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. It just it depends on. It, that's, it, that's, I, think, that's, I think that I think that's that's the price that we'll see far down in the future. But that's what I mean. That's yeah, what I like mean. don't like, don't buy them like, now. Like take give you know, wait. I'd say wait. Like you probably want to wait like six months. I'm just saying, like if you have some like money that you want to put on a spec, like and you have a lot of money, then buy Charles of the Void. I mean, just buy reservedist cards. Yeah, like, people are, people always <laughs> do this. Like, oh, I've got I've got a lot like some money that I want to sink into magic. Like, what should I buy? Like, you should buy exactly Chalice of the Voids for about thirty pounds each, and then buy list them for forty pounds each at Birmingham. That's exactly what you should do. I mean, I mean, you should just buy Joel Lance right? and ch- Chalice of the Void. One hundred percent, you'll get a much better return on investment faster. Right, buy me some Chalice of the Voids then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I always find that like people people like will post on random Facebook groups like, oh, I want to like, should I like foil out this deck or like, oh, should I like build a collection of like, oh, should I start collecting like planeswalkers or something and just, just buy a tropical island or something yeah just why, why are you like pissing your money away on something that will definitely lose value and that's coming from someone who pisses their money away on nothing of value <laughs> like just just like all my cards have been traded into like foils that just won't accrue any value or anything will just be worth less when I try to move them than when I got them um, but I, I do that knowing that whereas some people are like oh you're going to build a planeswalker collection um like, don't. <laughs> don't remotely do that. That sounds like a, an absurd thing to do. Just buy a volcanic island or an underground sea. Or... Yeah, that's a much better, much better use of your money, I think. Yeah. Goddamn magic players. <laughs> With their autonomy and their free choice. <laughs> anyway, what's our, what's our next card? Uh, our next card is Blast Zone. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, big, big fan of Blast Zone. Um, yeah, this card's just really good. Um, yeah. It's just it's it's just as good as we thought it was when it when we first saw it. Um, the price has moved down in it slightly because um, the, the the set has like started to find its like true value in terms yeah. of where the value lies, and like this was very much hyped up in terms of price. Uh, it's kind of just absurd. Yeah, <laughs> um, just like um, <clears throat> two to three hours just in in uh, standard X, just because it's just a good effect that you need. Yeah. Um, uh, especially in like colors where you don't have that much good removal, being able to have it on a land, um, it's very very good. Um, 
formats where you can shoot for it. It's obviously absurd um, with stuff like Expedition Map and Subtle's Crying and Night of the Red Aquarium. Uh, crop rotation, stuff like that. Um, it's very, very good with life from the loan. Yeah. Um, it just hoses certain things. Um, it's it's an effect. It's a ratchet bomb, um, engineered explosives type effect that doesn't technically have to take up a slot. Like most decks are comfortable running like a few colorless lands in their deck. Yeah. yeah. Whether that be like Ghost Quarters or Field of Ruin or, or anything like that. Having a blast zone is just it, it's almost free. And is actively very, very good if you're playing cards like Crucible of Worlds or Ramana Excavator or Nidra or anything like that. Um, it's just an, it's an incredibly good card, um, incredibly powerful, and will, again, just be a staple in multiple formats. Yeah. It's just this set, man. Like, this set is, I think this is the most powerful set we've had for probably, I, I don't know, like, this seems like the most powerful standard legal set that I've ever had as a Magic player. Yeah, it- I, I think it just might be. I know, like, you look back at like things like like Kantataka was obviously very powerful for the time, uh, and then like like Dominaria, we were like, whoa, this this what is this set? This is like a real step up from like from what we'd seen. But yeah, uh, yeah I think I think it might just be might just be the most powerful set that we we've had for a for as long as I've been playing Magic. Yeah, absolutely, because every once in a while you get like a good card that breaks out. Like, you have your Skewer the Critics or your Arclight Phoenix or yeah. your Fatal Bush or something like that, and you have like, oh, this card's great. It's We have a card that's a multi-format staple, and that's very, very good. But to have multiple like this, and not just like fringe staples, you know, like um, just cards that are just, just good in every deck. Yeah. That you can't in your assets. Like, to have this many, I mean, we've still got some to talk about, like this many cards that are actually just very, very playable. Um, the power level of the set is just incredibly pushed. Um, and that's true. That's true. Limited as well. Like obviously, the cards are just very, very powerful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But it just seems like and the impact this set is having on on every, every literally every format is just completely nuts. Yeah, agreed. So, yeah. Agreed. Strong. Incredible, incredible powerful. Um, cool. What's our what's our next card? Following Blastone. Cool. Uh, next card is uh, my favorite dragon. It is Ugin the Ineffable. Oh goddamn! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's just also incredibly powerful. Yeah. Speaking of cards that you can you can pretty much just like again it's like any deck that can reasonably play like a six mana card like realistically should just be playing Ugin right yeah so so it's a six mana it's colourless so you know the colour restriction is a six mana card the plus is to create a creature and to technically draw a card for when you're blocking to protect your Ugin yeah and minus is to just kill a thing that's just a good right yeah, oh, yeah, very good card. That's just a very good card. It's oh, certainly playing same playing standard. Um, very excited about the full copy I picked up from the ADH deck. Yeah, that's nice for, for a very good price. Um, and then it just randomly says colorless spells cost two less. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just say okay, yeah. So if I play Grim Monoliths and Thran Dynamos and Khans yeah. and other Ugin and Ulamog, it's pretty good, right? Oh yeah, just it's so powerful. Um, yeah, this is like also seeing playing like Tron and, and twelve post type decks, just like not a playset like Khan is because six mana is still like kind of a real cast. Like you don't always get that, right? Yeah. Um, but I've seen I've still seen modern Tron decks that are just playing it because it makes your all your other threats much cheaper. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like Eye of Ugin is banned in in modern. Yeah, exactly. That says you know colorless spells you cast cost two less to cast. Well, that's just specifically Eldrazi. Yeah, well, yeah, just true, true. That does. But Ugin has that text as well, and Ugin, like six mana is nothing for a Tron deck. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the, the thing with Ugin was obviously just the, the Eldrazi, like the the Thornos hits and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So 
this isn't anything as abusable because you have to get to six mana first before you do it. Yeah, for sure. You, just, you sort of went either you're going to Darcy Temple and your opponent just lost, like, just lost immediately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's a very, very powerful card. And yeah, just like, it just pumps out creatures and also is a removal spell as well as making your grim models cost zero. Yeah. Your expedition maps cost zero. Your walking ballistas cost two less. Like <laughs> your your card liberated cost five. Like it's um yeah, it's a very very good card. And again, like one of the most pushed cards in the set. Again, yeah. And again, absolutely. like when I looked at it, when I first looked at it, I'm, I guarantee I haven't gone back and listened to it because hearing my own voice makes me want to die. But like we, we just like when I first analyzed it, I guarantee I got it wrong and was just like, oh, this card seems fine. This is powerful, but yeah, because like, I, I guarantee it, I got tied up in the fact that the colorless thing, like the colorless spells thing I got tied up in the fact that that's important and you forget that it's just a good card yeah even like myself I saw it and was like yeah it's, it's six mana four loyalty that doesn't seem great like that seems fine uh, mm. like sure minus three destroy a target permanent it's one or more colors okay it protects itself yeah fine mm-hmm. I think I massively massively undervaluated that bot plus one ability yeah, absolutely it, I, I... it's amazing it's just like here's like Here's a, a chump blocker that your opponent doesn't want to attack into you because you, you're probably going to put something that will help you win the game in your hand. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just colourless card draw as well. Yeah. Uh, like, um, yeah, it's also going to do absurd things in my EDH deck. Yeah. Like, making uh, Sorrow and Corsair is pretty good. Seems good. Big fan. Yeah, just like <laughs> all the makes all the rocks cost cheaper. So, like, two mana Hedron Archive, two mana Thran Dynamo. Um, yeah. It's it's a four mana immortal sun. Ooh, yeah, it's a nice yeah. one. Um, yeah, the card's really good, and also it's it's probably my favorite art in the set. I think it's definitely up there for me. Um, like it's it's, it's it's just that thing that I really dislike of it has the planeswalkers coming outside of the card frame. Oh, you've got his little cards, his little horns pointing up next to next to the E's on on ineffable. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of that. I've always been a big fan of that on planeswalkers. It just makes them seem like like it makes them just a little bit more special. Like. Um, the obviously the, the uh, that thing on Davril that's egregious. I yeah. just like that specifically on um, on Davril where it's just blue, like black smoke just covering the name for no yeah, reason. Yeah. But I like that. I have a little like pop out. I think that's that's cool. Um, yeah, I think it's probably my favorite answer. And then, which considering it's not why Sam McKinnon is uh, <laughs> saying quite a lot. <laughs> fair, fair. Sweet. Yeah. So, what busted card are we going to talk about next? Uh, next up to go along with Ugin, we have Ugin's Conjurant. Okay, this is much less busted and just kind of a meme. <laughs> Agreed. So this is like a combo card, basically. Um, is is why this is on this list because it's potentially going to make some things happen, right? Oof, maybe, maybe, maybe. So, so this 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 happened when it was first spoiled and people like kind of went nuts about it. So it's with Celestial Kieran. Yeah. So Celestial Kieran is two white white for a three three with flying, which is definitely kind of card I want to play in modern, <laughs> um, which is a spirit. And whenever you play a spirit or arcane spell, destroy all permanents with that spell's converted mana cost. Yeah. So since Ugin's Conjurer could be cast for zero, it is a spirit, and for some reason Celestial Kieran doesn't say non-land permanence because it wasn't going to matter because there were no zero mana spirits. Uh, this is just a zero mana Armageddon? Yeah, essentially. Or a four mana Armageddon that costs two cards because of Celestial Kieran. costs four mana and then you play a zero mana Ugin's Conjurer. But it's a thing. It's a thing you can do. It is a thing that you can do. Uh, most likely somebody somewhere will do it a non-zero amount of times. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I don't quite believe it's the real deal, but you know we'll see, yeah, I mean, right? Yeah, Jerry Thompson put an article on this SCG about it, 
were like saying you'd play, probably play it in like a spirit stack because they were kind of playing Kieran anyway. Yeah. So, like a couple of decks occasionally would put like a couple of sideboard celestial Kieran's in their deck um, to act as like a ratchet one type effect uh, with extra value and like or a devoted druid deck. Yeah. Like a combo or mono white Eldrazi. But just like some kind of creature deck where you just have this sort of like kind of combo that can just lock out the game. Like if you're head on board, you just do this Armageddon them and then you just win from them. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, it's, it's got possibility to be good. I probably almost certainly isn't. Yeah. I, I think it's, yeah, I don't know. Like, so you can play, you can do it on like, turn three. Oh, I was thinking like, uh, <sighs> turn two with some inspired guides. Like that's a thing you can do. I mean, you're just, but like, so re- re- yeah, realistically, like turn three is probably the best you're gonna get it. Yeah, because you just go noble hierarch into random three drop into uh, the Kirin. Yeah, the conjurant. Like, it's not good. No, it's, I can't be good, can it? I don't think so. It can't be good enough. Um, but it's it's a thing. It's a card. It's a cool card. It's an interesting card, at least. Yeah, I give so it that. We'll have to. Um, I like playing it with like Vivian. It's probably quite cool. Yeah. Vivian is pretty sweet. Is Vivian on our list? Uh, Vivian is not on our list. No, Vivian should probably okay. be on our list. I mean, in which case, I'll just give it a quick shout out that I think that card is very powerful and probably good enough for modern and probably like some random legacy play. Like, it's just very powerful. Like, yeah. it's card advantage and giving, oh, specifically, giving Night of the Relic Vigilance is <laughs> not reasonable. Yeah, it seems good. Yeah, being able to flash and like flashing your Thalia Guardian for open and then your Storm opponents will keep when they thought they were just going to go off it's just oof, feels great yeah feels real good hmm. so speaking of cards that are unreasonable yes go on next up on our list we have Neoform yes this is completely unreasonable yeah so how do you like uh, like turn one kills in modern uh, I don't play the format so fine <laughs> <laughs> sure so yeah I... Neoform is 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 as problematic as I think many people predicted. Um, I know I, I myself did a bit of a. Ooh, this this seems this seems, you know, seems risky, right? When mm-hmm. we did uh, cover the card when it was first first spoiled or, or leaked or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, I think I think pretty much everyone's fears uh, have come true, and it uh, it has led to some pretty pretty degenerate uh, decks in modern. Yeah, to to answer. To answer your question properly about whether I like Termon Kills and Modern, obviously I hate that completely. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, not a good thing. It's not a good thing and should not happen. This is the, this is the thing. So like, there's been a lot of a lot of discussion about it, a lot of arguments about it. People like, oh no, it's fine. Like, it's a very fragile Grass Cannon deck. I'm like, yeah, sure, that's fine. It's not particularly consistent. It's a lot more consistent than it deserves to be for a Termon Kill or like a Turn Two Kill or whatever. Um, but that's not the problem. The problem is the fact that it, it's a possibility and it's not like an absurd possibility. So like, there was a possibility that Grishol Brand could kill you on Turn One. Yeah. But it's so minute, such a like tiny possibility, uh, all your cards have to come to come, come together that it just that that's not really a problem. Um, and the um, the Rishon Brand deck specifically, like with the the Goro's Vengeance and everything, um, I, I guess this is the Neophon deck is technically Rishon Brand deck as well, right? Yeah, that's basically yeah, it is, yeah. So I guess like the the red black Faithless Looting Goro's Vengeance deck, like had so many more moving parts and was like a lot easier to disrupt and everything like that and like had a, a, a lot of like a high percentage of fail cases whereas this one I think someone did the math and I think winning on turn one is possible like 10-20% of the time yeah which and is which is more than that's more than zero so that's that's something that you should uh, probably just get rid of as soon as possible with it I mean this is the thing this is the I mean like if, if the percentage is like 0.1% I'm kind of fine with it right 
but probably of, yeah. one of every ten games you play against this deck, you're just going to lose on turn one. Yeah, that's you don't get to play magic <laughs> like at at all. It's completely ridiculous. And also, the fix for it is so easy because you just ban Allosaurus Rider, and then nothing yeah. else loses because all the other cards are fine. I was going to say reasonable, but Grizzle Brand isn't a reasonable card. No, um, but like it's, it's fine to agree. exist in the format. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, like Grizz mentioning it hasn't been good for ages. Um, it's just this, this sort of like the chance to retangle nonsense where you just get to do it so early and that's the problem with it. yeah um, and it's, it's much harder to disrupt so yeah I think don't, don't ban Neoform Neoform's fine I think I like Neoform and like like an Eldritch Evolution deck that kind of thing just another copy of that and lean harder into the blue um, I think it's fine but yeah just, just take Allosaurus Rider out. just get rid of the card no one wants it yeah like, get rid of the, the Allosaurus Rider or like Simeon Spirit Guide is probably problematic. Uh, get rid of that. Or, like, I, I don't know. I think if you Dryad get Armor. Sons... Ban Dryad Armor. No, don't ban Dryad Armor. How dare you? <laughs> uh, well, no, actually, no, do, because then we can have Green Suns back. Sure, sure. I actually enjoy playing the format. Um, no, I think, like, Simeon Spirit Guide is fine. It's like, nearly fine. Yeah, I think it's one of those cards that just kind of sits on the edge and it, it'll take like a card somewhere somewhere at some point in the future of modern it will happen but it, it will yeah. take a card somewhere that'll just just tip it over the edge I think the the, the good reasoning for banning something like some Spirit, some Spirit Guide is just the precedent of the fact that we shouldn't have fast mana yeah for sure not the fact that the car in specific is very powerful yeah of course it is very powerful but what it's currently doing in modern for the most part is casting a blood moon a turn early yeah agreed which is largely fine yeah or enabling a lightning storm which is also completely fine because Abnors is terrible. Yeah. Um, so, so New Spirit Guide isn't doing And then obviously it's, it's doing this Neoform thing. Um, but then the, if you're banning it on the precedent, the fact that Fast Mana shouldn't exist, you also need to ban Mox Opal. And I think Mox Opal's fine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mox Opal is, is certainly, at this current moment in time, absolutely fine. So that's the thing. I think, like, Simon Spirit Guide is like. A little bit not fine, and Moxopal is firmly fine, yeah. and I think th- those two probably have to go as a pair because th- just the fact that you can't have fast mana in the format, like Lotus Petal, isn't good for the format. Yeah, uh, nothing's good for this format. Like everything <laughs> keeps breaking, like everything keeps going completely nuts. Yeah, um, I, I just, I just really hope we get something cool in Modern Horizons that is going to like properly, properly shake things up. Force of will, force of will. Yeah, please. Just something. God damn it. Um. But yeah, like you know, Neoforms have uh, created an absurd thing. Is it's not an absurd card. <laughs> it's, it's very much a fine card. It's pushed. It's certainly pushed for a two mana spell, and an uncommon. And the fact that it doesn't exile itself like every other effect does yeah. is confusing to me. But it's a sweet card, and it's not inherently broken. Um, it's Allosaurus Rider enabling an Allosaurus Rider is like a, just an awful magic card. <laughs> just horrendous but um, it enables this stuff so just ban it because no one cares about that card outside of this deck sure okay so on to our final card from our list mm-hmm. that is Teferi Time Raveler oh, this is all firmly your territory this is for, yeah, firmly my territory my for quite probably my favourite card in the set and if I may outside of Ugin's Conjurant Ugin's Conjurant probably the least powerful on the list oh uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, uh, I feel like I feel like saying that is doing the card a disservice but so at the I same time it's quite possibly right I'm saying that because I think it's not that hot I think it's fine and I'm mainly saying it because I know that it'll upset you <laughs> 
and that's what I live for. Yeah, I mean, so but please, but please go off. As as far as like modern and legacy goes, like straight away, like you can just just play it in America's ugly white control, like the. Uh-huh. It's like the whatever level one galaxy brain take on a take on the card. Like it's, it's just a very good card. Um, I mean, sure, in modern, like you're probably just dying on turn three <coughs> if that's all you're doing turn three anyway. <laughs> what losing the game? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, but like, it's just that static ability of like each opponent cast spells only any time they can cast a sorcery just puts your opponent on a completely different axis. Like stops stops so many decks from doing what what they typically would do to kind of disrupt your deck. It just takes your opponent off like a total total of a of an axis of play really. Like if, if your opponent isn't playing counter spells and you get to resolve it to Fairy Time Raveler on like turn three, for example, and then mm-hmm. bounce whatever their threat is, like I, I you're gonna struggle losing that game. Um Yeah, I agree. Um I think it's it's just very good because I can enable sort of combo decks. Yeah. Or something like that, or things like want to sort of do a lot of stuff in one turn, in their own turn. Um, I think that aspect of the card is, is very, very powerful as well. Just stopping, yeah, it's the fact that, like, so cards like um, Grand Abolisher, Dose and the Fawning Leaf, if you want to go crazy, Dragon Lord Dramoka, those effects have, have historically been powerful, but not powerful, quite powerful enough to see much play. Yeah. Uh, and then also, you just randomly tack on this, like, unsummoned draw card, which makes it very, very powerful. Yeah. Um, the ability to pitch the force of will, yeah. <laughs> um, and like plus one Vodokonori effect. Yeah, um, just uh, sort of. I think this is a combination of a lot of different powerful things being put onto one, like jammed on the one card. Yeah, definitely. That make it so powerful. I think is my take on it. Yeah, I think it feels that sort of. Yes, it's powerful, but also look how ridiculous it is as as like a support card role as well. Like when you play it alongside mm. some of the other cards we've mentioned. So like. Narset, for example. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, you play Teferi alongside Narset, and you you are guaranteed not going to lose that game, especially when you're doing things like uh, casting Days Undoing at instant speed, using your Teferi, plus one your Teferi to cast Days Undoing on your opponent's end step, uh, so they can't counter your Days Undoing, and you've got Narset out, so your opponent can only draw one card, mm-hmm. whereas you're getting access to a whole new seven. Like, that's... That's a thing. That's a that's a deck we're seeing now. Like yeah, absolutely. Yeah, without Deferi, like you, you couldn't have things like that. Um, yeah, I, I think I think he has shown up in vintage a little bit as well, where he has a little bit of a less less of an impact. But the card's just great. I I still think like printing this in a standard set with the like, Deferi here of Dominaria was just a mistake. Um. Yeah, I I agree. Um. Yeah. I also saw uh, an infect list in modern yep. splashing white for it in the sideboard. Yeah, go go off on that. I know that's your territory. It just seems like an asshole. It just seems like that. It's just great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, because you always kind of wanted like a, a three mana card in your sideboard that just sort of did something good, and normally to grind something like Kitchen Finks, um or Nissa Voice of Zendikar has sort of been the go-to. You just get to grind out and just like make some blockers or make a creatures bigger and like have a have a sort of a sticky threat. Yeah, that's kind of the point. <clears throat> and this functions on that axis, but it also just you can just jam it right, um, remove a blocker. And then they can't counter your spells or path your creature or vault your creature or push your creature or abrupt decay your creature or assassin's trophy your creature. It's just really good. Oh, yeah. I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to try that. It might be, just be terrible, but that, that uh, on paper, that sounds great. Yeah, I, I think it's just right. 
Yeah, probably. I mean, tapping out for a pre-mana creature, like, I don't know. Because they can still remove your threats in, in their turn, but that, that feels, like, a lot better. Like, stuff like the Lord Nexus, if you just, like, go to Ferry, like, bounce something of theirs or whatever, yeah. and they have to, like, path your Blister Elf or Blighted Agent on their turn, and then you just have an Ink Moth Nexus, and they literally can't do anything about it, and you they have, you have like, they can't, and you just win. Yeah. So that seems cool. Like, I like that angle, and I'm always a big fan of splashing colors and decks that don't really need a splash so <laughs> yeah for sure and plus like if you're already, you're already playing like you're playing cards which have access to those colors fairly easily and in fact especially anyway like yeah, just, i don't think to is a splash at all really just play a temple garden yeah like a, a temple garden um over like probably a fetch land yeah seems good. <clears throat> it's probably okay it's probably just the dry dubber because liliana isn't seeing that much play i guess yeah any Lilo's triumph is probably going to do some things in modern. Maybe. I mean, like, is like I don't know. Like, is is the is the rock playable anymore? Is yeah, Jund, is Jund even a deck? Like, <clears throat> who knows? Bring back, back range has been like a thing recently. Yeah, I guess so. I guess um, so. But yeah, I, I just like corner cases like that, and, like random inclusions of cards and decks is like a big fan. And uh, like, it's that's sort of been the the thing for the set. It's just like random, like one one of two of inclusions into decks. Yeah. Like a Tomic Distinguished Advocate as being a sim play in um, Death and Taxes. Yeah, for sure. Which is cool, because uh, card just tells lands and turbo decks to go away. Yep. Which is sick. Um, like, yeah, like Liliana's Triumph is just like seeing some, like, pretty much where the Diabolic Edict was seeing play in Legacy. Um, yeah, that's a that's a shout out to uh, to Modern Horizons again. There, like most likely they're going to print some sort of an edict effect in Modern Horizons, like most likely Diabolic Edict or Chainer's Edict or something, and mm-hmm. that just won't be relevant anymore. <laughs> it, right? Have I gone off about the corner case on this podcast before? Uh, I don't think you have. No. Right. This please, is... please do, go ahead. So uh, this is not a good take. It just doesn't matter. But I'm going to do it anyway because that's what I'm all about. Awesome. Um, so live that life. <laughs> I, I do constantly. I just c- complain and talk about stuff that doesn't matter. Um, so, Lilian's Triumph is not strictly better than Diabolic Edict. Because Lilian's Triumph says each opponent, not target player. So, yes. Diabolic Edict, you can target yourself, right? Yes, but Lilian's Triumph gets around hexproof. Absolutely, yeah. But there's corner cases where you want to target yourself. So, say your opponent has a life linking creature. Yeah. And can attack for lethal, but if they gain the life, then it's not lethal. Sure. Right? So if they have some blocks, like obviously if they have one creature, you just make them sat their own only creature. Yeah. But if they have two creatures, one of them has lifelink and it's option move. But if, if that life gain didn't happen, so that you could sacrifice your creature that's being blocked by the lifelink creature. Stuff like when this was GTA counters, like stopping and getting the counters. Okay. Yeah. It's real corner case stuff. It's, that yeah, sucks. it is real, real corner case stuff. I'll give you that for sure. But the fact that you can like, there's technically a point there. Yeah, like the fact that you can triumph through a lane of sexy or something like that is probably more relevant. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a thing, so. <laughs> it's a point I've now made. Fair. That is that is that is fair enough. We'll see if that ever ever happens anywhere. But it, you know, um, if, if it does, I'm certain, sure I'm sure your point will be justified. Yeah, and I'm sure it'll probably just be better to play Living Out of Triumph in a deck where you're probably playing Lily of the Veil or The Last Hope. Awesome. So So yeah. yeah, I think I think it's a good place to end the podcast, I think, this week on that, that spicy hot take there. Or ending our metal podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you uh if you enjoyed our uh highly informed uh new metal talk, um why don't you <laughs> Come check us out on social media where you can see such other other takes as uh, as chop suey as trash and disturbed our 
horrific. <laughs> oh, I mean, I especially the song with the uh, the beast solo. I want to call it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't ever tweet about new metal. I don't plan on starting. Yeah. So if you're gonna if you're gonna follow us on social media for that specific reason, you are gonna end up incredibly disappointed. <laughs> sure, um, sure. And it's a bad reason to follow anyone, really. Like, but you should still come follow us anyway. Well, you should follow us, but not, not the people who are doing the new metal content. Who wants to follow them? <laughs> Is anyone following Fred Durst? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Does he have a Twitter account? I need to check. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go follow Fred Durst right now. You're going to follow Fred Durst right <laughs> that's, now? That's, what, that's, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to go follow Fred Durst, see what Fred man. Durst's up to with his life now. He's at, at Fred Durst. Um, love your lower back tattoos. his bio. There's okay. a picture of him. That's his photo there. It's got a picture of a very, a very much middle-aged white man selfie, where it's just basically a picture of his chin. <laughs> he has 1.2 million followers. Nice. Um, and his second tweet on his feed is just a man in a cowboy hat doing some lion dancing. Sounds the like he's living his best puns. life. Go, go for uh, it. Now, basically, his entire Twitter is just retweets and links to his Instagram and TikTok posts. Oh wow! No, no, not his. They're not his TikTok posts. Oh Shows wow! Um, Jesus Christ, this has been that's been an experience. Um, I'm not going to follow Fred Durst. Cool. I am, however, as Twitter has suggested, going to follow Tony Hawk. Nice. Yeah. Hell yeah. Go Hell for yeah. it. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, yeah. If uh, <laughs> if you have enjoyed what you've heard today, come check us out on social media. We are on Twitter at hfdcast, uh, facebook.com slash Hour of Devastation. Or if you want to give back for whatever reason, uh, get us on Patreon. We are patreon.com slash Hour of Devastation. We have uh, pledges from as little as $1 a month. That is roughly 20, 25 cents per episode. Uh, if you felt like you've, you've gotten anything from this, uh, we appreciate absolutely anything at all that, that we do get back. Um, it is, it's a pleasure just to be able to record this and have our have our mild to warm takes out in the uh into the the universe i guess uh mild mild to warm yeah mild to warm how how, how dare you these takes are firmly tepid <laughs> oof, <laughs> oof. uh yeah we you know we, we don't we don't really do it for for any gain anything we do get will go straight back into the podcast and we are just just super thankful that anybody out there at all wants to listen to us ramble for an hour or week. oh yeah, absolutely i mean also if you want to give back specifically you can buy me a microsoft device <laughs> remember when they were like remember when they were like six dollars yeah i do yeah remember that yeah we were like ah, that card was only expensive because of commander yeah <sighs> I miss those days anyway awesome uh, you can get me on my personal social media I'm at peachgardenoaf that's oaf with an F on Twitter or Facebook you can find me Joe Loudon I'm in pretty much any of the magic gathering groups on Facebook yeah come come check me out come follow me come say hi <coughs> uh, if you want to see how the MCQs are going this weekend uh, I'll be posting all about it on Twitter so come come check that out uh, you can follow me on Twitter at snail69 nice Thank you. Um, I'm going to start tweeting exclusively about new metal. Awesome. Uh, my love of Limp Biscuit instead of um, communism awesome. <laughs> and magic cards, which is basically <laughs> what I've tweeted thus far. <laughs> well, so I guess that's pretty much all we have time for this week. Once again, the Godfather has returned. So we'll see you again next week on Our Devastation. 